Hi, this is Miss Saputo again. I'm going to be reading to you chapters 22, 23, and 24 from The Adventures of a South Pole Pig by Chris Kurtz. Chapter 22. Flora felt herself skid toward one side of the ship. Barrels and boxes tore loose from their ropes and came tumbling across the hold in the same direction. The crunching sound seemed to go on forever. She came to a stop against a post. For the tiniest moment, nothing moved. Then the ship slowly rightened itself. The men above were shouting to one another, but they sounded far away. Flora scrambled to her feet. A small stream of water, just a trickle, really, came from nowhere and flowed toward her. She couldn't look at anything else. She just watched the stream as it made its way across the floor. Sophia, her voice was shaking. From a corner, she saw Alaric stand and run for the stairs. Come on, he shouted. Flora looked around for her friends. Sophia, she squealed. There was no answer. Instead, the far side of the ship burst open and an icy river washed over her. There was no time to run, no time to scream, no time to even take a breath. The water swept her feet out from under her and carried her bumping along the floor until she smacked her head into a floating barrel. It then banged her into the ship's wall and sent her swirling away toward the other side. When her head poked above the wave, she choked and coughed and tried to call out, but the cold water had locked up her lungs. Now the water began to rise and foam. Flora was not bumping along the floor any longer, and her feet couldn't touch except when her hooves hit underwater boxes. Flora tried to swim to the stairs. Impossible. The freezing current took her wherever it wished. She was not the only one struggling. Rats were paddling for their lives all around her. Some tried to climb on her, but the water turned her end for end until she didn't know up from down. Finally, her hooves touched something solid. She hoped it was the stairs. Her head broke free of the foam and she gasped for air. The water tried to pull her under her way again, but she scrambled and fought to keep her footing. It was the staircase, she was sure. The rats found the same escape route. They swarmed up toward the light and through the open doorway. Flora struggled to climb into a deep step. Just then, something grabbed one of her legs. No! She desperately tried to pull away, but the thing kept holding, ho kept hold of her, tugging her into the seawater once again. Flora panicked. An octopus must have had one giant arm wrapped around her, taking her under. Kick, she told herself. Kick with your other leg. She turned her head to aim, but before she could lash out, she saw a face. It was not an octopus. It was the captain. His arm came across her back and held on. Her face was His face was gray, as if the water had washed the color from it. But his eyes were clear and questioning. In answer, Flora focused on getting to the next dry step. It was a good thing she had practiced pulling that big box around the hold. The weight of the captain's body drove her down into a crouch. She straightened her legs slowly and towed her load upward. But it was no use. The water was rising faster than she was. She could escape the captain's grasp by kicking him off, and in her panic, she considered it for a second. Then she gathered her hooves under her and pulled up again and again. Don't give up. She was able to climb four or five steps until the captain's arm slipped off her back. She looked behind her. 
The man's head rested on a step, and water was already bubbling around his chin. A pair of swimming rats found their toehold in his shirt, scrambled over his shoulders and up the stairs. Flora turned around, took the captain's shirt collar in her teeth, and pulled. The captain lifted his head and helped by pushing his hand with his hands. Step by step, the two of them began to move out of the rising water, but it was still swirling as high as his waist. Flora felt faint. She couldn't take in air fast enough. Her legs were trembling now from fear, from cold, and from the weight of the captain. She didn't dare let go. She was sure if she did, she would lose him, but she could hardly stand up, and he was starting to slide back. I'm sorry, she wanted to say. I failed. A shadow fell over her. Hands reached down to drag the captain up the last few stairs. Flora let go of his collar and stepped aside. Alaric was not a big person, but by sitting on the top step and heaving his whole body backwards, he was able to slowly haul the captain through the door onto the deck. Flora scrambled after them. The sea had almost filled with the hold now. Alaric tried to lift the captain to his feet, but failed. I have the captain, he shouted over his shoulder. Don't leave yet. Two sailors ran up. Together they lifted the man up by his feet and shoulders and hurried to where the, the last lifeboat was bobbing next to the ship's rail. Several men reached out to take the captain into their arms and lay him in the bottom of the boat. The two who had carried the captain followed. Allard helped Flora into the boat, climbed over the rail, and stumbled aboard last. They pushed off, and a few men paddled hard with oars to create a distance between the small craft and the ship. Flora looked back when she thought she heard barking coming from the deck, but she couldn't see anything. As Flora felt the lifeboat find its own rhythm against the waves, the explorer groaned and twisted and tipped over sideways, water streaming down its rounded boards. A wave rose from its roll and clawed at the side of the lifeboat. Flora found her feet knocked out from under her once again, but this time she landed on something soft. It was the captain. He moaned as Flora struggled off him. She found her footing, climbed onto one of the bench seats, and looked out at the waves. The explorer was still drifting on its side, sinking lower and lower. Then a puff of air bubbled out as if the ship were breathing its last breath. The men stopped rowing, and everyone turned to watch. The ship was there one moment, and then suddenly it was not. No big wave followed this time, no white foam, no sign to mark where it had gone down. It was just gone. Bobbing wooden boxes, barrels, and bits of ship parts were all that was left. The iceberg they had struck towered above them like a silent ghost ship, and the men with the oars paddled clear. Flora shivered. She didn't know if it was from fear or cold. She spotted a small brown shape floating near their boat. It was strout-hearted rat paddling hard with its long tail streaming, be streaming out behind. For the first time, Flora felt sorry for her old enemy. The rat's head was swallowed by a small wave. When it popped back up, it seemed less strong, less brave. Flora knew from her own short swim that no land animal could last long in these freezing waters. When the rat went under again, she quickly looked away. On board the lifeboat, some men sat with their head, head in their hands, and some rowed. No one spoke. Soon they were pushing through a thick soup of ice and ocean. 
it was hard to see where the sea left off and where the land, if one could call it that, began. Ahead of them, another lifeboat was fighting to find a way through a tiny leaf in rough water. The only sound was the knocking of ice against the sides of the boat. Wait, where was Sophia? Flora looked for a spark of orange in the icy water all around. Had she made it onto the other lifeboat by some chance? Flora didn't see how. The frenzy of the past few moments had been terrible, but the picture in Flora's mind of Sophia fighting with the freezing water and going down with the ship was even worse. Chapter 23 The first thing Flora did when she scrambled off the boat and onto solid ground was to look for her friend. A few dogs had made it to safety. Oscar was one of them. Have you seen Sophia? She asked him through chattering teeth. Oscar was dripping wet and trembling so hard, it looked as if he might shake himself off his feet. He lowered his head but did not answer. A chain still attached to a broken piece of wood hung from his neck. Another dog was more helpful. Flora found out that only he and four other dogs had been released from their chains in time to jump into the first lifeboat. Oscar had been rescued later from the freezing waters. None of the others had survived. Flora felt like weeping. Cats were not great swimmers. In her bones, she knew that her small friend had never had a chance once the water rushed in. Still, she looked around desperately. Large emergency boxes from both lifeboats were dragged ashore. Tools, dry blankets, and cans of food came out. And when the boxes were empty, the men used axes to chop them up and build a fire. The blankets were laid down around the fire, and a mangy mix of teeth-chattering men and dogs huddled as close to it as they could. Some of the men dashed back out in the lifeboat to see if they could find any more supply boxes or bits of wood in the water. When they had warmed up a bit, others began building walls of snow for a shelter. There were still very little said. Flora gave up her search and nosed under a corner of a blanket. She now realized how cold she had become. She was shaking harder than she thought possible, but the cold in her bones was nothing compared to the ice in her heart. Sophia could be sharp-tongued and selfish, but without a friend to keep Flora's hope alive all those weeks in the belly of the ship, she didn't know if she would have survived. Now Sophia was gone. Rolled up in several blankets, the captain lay on the snow beside the fire, eyes closed. He did not move. Across the fire, Flora, from Flora, Ellerg and Oscar sat shaking together. The boy had taken Oscar's chain off and was wrapped in a blanket. Flora was startled to see Alaric's heart beating inside his blanket. She watched amazed as his chest rippled and bumped. Then it popped out. There was no heart. It was an orange cat with pointy ears and it looked around with wide eyes. When it saw when it was when it saw Flora, it pushed itself free and bounded over to her. Sophia! Flora squealed. Sophia purred and rubbed against Flora. By some miracle, they had both survived. Now that she had a friend and teammate beside her, Flora thought, she could face whatever challenges lay ahead. When Flora blinked her eyes awake the next morning, the low sun buttered the bumpy snow a little yellow. Boxes that weren't there the night before had been stacked nearby. 
Sophia's fur tickled her nose from where she was tucked in under Flora's chin. For a moment, all the fear and sadness from the day before overwhelmed Flora. She felt her heart twist for the brave dogs that didn't make it. Still here she was, alive with Sophia at her side. In the night, someone had covered her with a second blanket. The dogs, on the other hand, had moved away from the blankets. They lay in a rough circle in the snow with their noses pointed to the center. Flora imagined they were probably remembering and mourning their lost companions. As the day continued, Flora watched the men finish the walls of the snow cabin and place one of the lifeboats on top as a roof. They did not sing as they worked. They did not shout or curse or laugh or clomp. Each footstep of their heavy boots landed as softly as a cat's paw. They carried the captain inside the shelter. Flora had not heard him say a word, but color had returned to his cheeks. Flora poked her head under her blanket. Let's go take a look at this place, she said to the fluff of orange. Sophia didn't stir. Flora brought her head back out and blinked in the sun. The training in the hold had been hard, but Flora was stronger and more confident now. She was ready to learn new lessons, and she could not ignore her curiosity about the Antarctic. Sophia's words sounded muffled. There's nothing to see. True. The land was white in every direction. Not a plant, not a tree, not any spot of green or brown was visible outside the little camp except for a jumble of ice blocks that stuck out of the snow here and there. The train was also flat. I'm going to go see it anyway, Flora eased out from under the warm blanket, careful not to step on Sophia. The wind bit into Flora's ribs as she looked first one way and then another. In the distance, a low ridge of mountains rose out of the white. In the other direction, the white took on a little shade of blue where the ice met the sea and bobbed on the waves. She shivered as she remembered floating in the lifeboat out there. Flora decided to explore a wide circle around the camp. The edge of the camp felt even colder than the center, and by the time Flora had traveled only halfway, even her teeth were cold. The stiff air froze the inside of her nostrils. There were no smells. This was a land that kept secrets. Sophia had complaining noises as Flora nosed back under her blanket bringing in the ship sharp polar breeze for a moment. When darkness came, Flora noticed how hungry she was and realized she hadn't seen anyone eating in camp. She snuggled up closer to Sophia for warmth and promised herself that she would not be the first to grumble over something they must all be feeling. The next morning, the men brought out a large square of material and spread it out next to the snow cabin. Is that some kind of special blanket? Flora asked Oscar. Oscar took his nose out from under his tail and looked up. Canvas, he said. They use it for covering loads and making a shelter. The edges of the canvas were marked in the snow with shovels, and then it was folded up again. Through the day, the men took turns digging out a rectangle a little smaller than the size of the canvas. All the snow they took was took out was piled around the perimeter. They chopped and shoveled, piled and padded, until the lowered floor was flat and the snow walls were even, except for an opening with snow stairs going down. Finally, they unfolded the canvas, draped it over the walls, pulled it tight, and packed snow on the roof's edges so the canvas would stay put. When the shelter was finished, they moved toward 
They moved their tools and supplies inside. Flora was curious about everything and took quick breaks from her blanket to poke her nose into the new shelter as often as she could without getting stepped on or being noticed by Big Amos. He stayed under the canvas, growling orders to the men about where to stack their supplies that had been salvaged. None of this activity was of any interest to the dogs, who mostly slept or stretched and then slept some more. But all of that changed when bags filled with frozen fish were carried in. The dogs sat up and sniffed the air. A couple tried to sneak through the doorway but were chased away. It wasn't long before Amos emerged with his arms full of cans. The men built up the fire again, opened the cans, and put them carefully on the flames. When enough time had passed, they used sticks to lift the hot cans off the fire and sat around eating with their knives. From the smells, Flora could tell that they they had warm tomatoes, beans, and chicken soup for the first Antarctic meal. She was disappointed that none of it was shared with the animals who watched every bite disappear. Even Sophia poked her head out to look, but the feelings changed to joy when Amos brought over a bag of fish. He opened the bag and began chopping the frozen fish into pieces. The dog set up a fin- frenzy of barking and whining. But any that came too close got a curse and a kick, and they soon learned that those who sat quietly were fed first. Flora ate her fish alongside Sophia. It was icy and crunchy and gone in three bites, but it was delicious. While the animals were eating, the men took a bundle of blankets into the canvas roof shelter, then disappeared inside the snow cabin next door. Flora followed the dogs into a shelter and watched them claim sleeping spots. The men had laid the blankets around the perimeter of the shelter. Each dog stood a moment on the spot he had picked and looked around to see if he had a challenger. Then nose down, each circled three or four times, pawing at the blanket to fluff it up before sinking into a tight ball and bringing tail over muzzle. When all six of the dogs were settled inside, Flora trotted back to where Sophia was trying to keep warm near the dying fire. Come see what's happening. We need to choose a sleeping spot. It won't matter, Sophia complained, but she got up. Against the snow, she looked more orange than ever. She hurried across the white ground to the doorway like a cat-shaped sunset. At the entrance, Sophia stopped and let Flora go in first. Flora hoped the dogs had heard about the job she and Sophia had done on the rats and would accept them as friends. She walked cautiously down the few steps. As nervous as Flora felt around the dog, she could only imagine what Sophia was feeling. But the cat bravely made her way to a blanket in the farthest corner. Then she nosed underneath the corner and disappeared. Flora carefully sat on the blanket Sophia had chosen for them and looked around. Oscar was the one was on the nearest blanket, but except for the raising his eyebrows, he did not move. None of the other dogs seemed to notice the newcomers. Nose down, Flora began to circle her blanket as she had seen the dogs do. Lie down before you step on me, Sophia hissed. Flora settled down. No one barked. No one made an unfriendly comment. She'd been accepted in the sledding team home, which already smelled like dog but was surprisingly warm. Chapter 24 The dogs still didn't seem to have the energy to do anything, 
But Flora scrambled up with the rising sun and an empty stomach. If yesterday three bites of fish were any indication, they were very low on food. They would have to get it from somewhere else, and they would need sled pullers for the job. She wanted to be one of those pullers. But as she peered out from the doorway of the shelter, she realized she had not seen any sleds. They must have made it off they must not have made it off the ship. It made Flora sad to imagine the sturdy gliding machines on the floor of the sea, and it made her panic a little to think that even if there was a place to find food, there was no way to get there or bring anything back. And when would another ship be heading this way? Well, Flora wasn't going to let herself sink into gloom. She decided to get used to the cold. She wanted to be ready to work just in case, and what good was a puller with cold feet? But the moment she stepped outside, the cold became painful. It was the wind that cut the hardest. She nosed into it and felt her nostrils become crusty with frost. Her eyeballs stung. Her breath caught in her lungs, and she couldn't release without effort. She wondered if her extra hair was doing anything to protect her. Flora turned her back to the wind. Don't be a baby, she told herself. She trotted out and began to make a wide circle in front of the two shelters. Her knees hurt. Romp, she told herself. Leap about and frisk. She tried to take a leap and found that there was no lift in her legs. In fact, she couldn't feel them any longer. Behind her, she heard a shout and turned. It was Alaric. He looked twice as big in his coat, which seemed to have one or two coats underneath, and he was waving something high in the air. Flora stumbled toward him as best she could, and he knelt down beside her. Pulling his gloves off, he buttoned her into a dark red coat. He rolled up the sleeves so her front hooves showed. But when she tried to walk, the bottom of the coat dragged on the ground. She couldn't avoid stepping on it. Alaric shook his head. It's too big. Wait right here. He returned with a knife and and a length of rope and then helped Flora out of the coat. After he cut a white strip off the bottom, he buttoned her back into the coat and cinched it around her middle with the rope. He looked back and tried to see herself. She looked back and tried to see herself. She was sure she looked funny. She took a few steps and stopped. Her coat whispered with every move, but no part dragged on the ground, and she felt so cozy. Even her eyeballs felt warmer. When Sophia woke up, she made a surprise sound and walked around Flora slowly, then woke up Oscar to look. They sat together and stared. Oscar cleared his throat. I wondered how you were going to make it out here. This answers one of my biggest questions, Sophia nodded. I don't have to worry about my bed partner turning into a pig sickle any longer. Flora stepped back onto the into the pale light. She began to run around the camp. She pushed hard into the cold air until the cold air burned her throat. Then she ran even more. The lifelessness of the land still amazed her. There were no seals or polar bears or rabbits disappearing into their holes. No mice or birds, not even a seagull, single seagull. I sure wouldn't mind if there was a little color out here, she said to one of the other dogs when she returned to the shelter. The dog's eyes twitched as if he were surprised to be spoken to, but he didn't respond. She tried again, even a spot of green poking up out of the snow would do my heart good. The dog gave a big sigh and turned his nose in under his tail. Flora looked around the cave, but one thing's for sure, she said in a louder voice, a little run around the camp loosens your lungs and makes breathing easier. It was as 
as if she weren't there. No one even turned to look at who was talking. Even Oscar and Sophia were ignoring her, curled up together sleeping. One morning after Flora came back inside from a romp, she heard a dog telling the others that she that the men were having a meeting. Flora leaned over to Oscar. We should have a meeting too, she said. Sophia moved to her side and Oscar came closer. Plans are afoot, he said. Flora's heart thrilled. She was pretty sure that any plan would be involve pulling something even if there were no sleds. Huff, Oscar suddenly lifted his head and crossed his eyes in an effort to look down towards his nose. A hair was stuck to one of his nostrils. He huffed again and the hair took flight, fluttering down to the blanket. Cat hair, he muttered. At least it doesn't smell like dog, Sophia said. Flora coughed politely and sat down. You said there were plans afoot. What happened to the expedition now? No dog sled, said Oscar. No expedition. Couldn't they send a replacement ship with a new sled? No ship, said Oscar. No replacement, no expedition. There's a new project now, and it's called staying alive as long as possible. We might be lucky to get rescued, or the men might try to sail away in the lifeboats and save themselves. That's probably what they're meeting about. Sophia was quiet, but Flora knew she was listening. No matter what, it means the food has to last a long, long time. Flora nodded. The once-a-day fish feedings had gotten even smaller. Oscar went on. Actually, there is more food out in the snow. Flora stopped herself from jumping up. She remembered Oscar talking about this, but it didn't seem important before. About four months ago, the captain brought a different crew and two dog teams, including me, to the Antarctic. We landed not more than a mile from here. Each team pulled big boxes of food on sleds to two separate food stations out there. Oscar pointed his nose to the snowy wilderness. We did that so those on the final expedition wouldn't have to carry so much food with them. The first food station is at least three days from here. But we don't have a sled to bring back the supplies, Flora finished. Sophia's tail twitched. Let's not get too worried. We should know a lot more as soon as the men finish their meeting. Um, yep, Oscar muttered. I'm a little tired. Better take a nap. Outside, there were shouts and the sound of work being done. Flora walked to the doorway and saw men moving about with a new sense of purpose. The extra lifeboat with canned food already loaded inside had been set down on its belly as if it were about to sail away on the snow. Ropes tied the front, lay stretched out, ready for pullers. Wow! She had to tell Oscar about this. The dogs were sniffing and talking to one another in low voices. Alaric was in a terrible mood as he helped carry cans. I didn't sign on to this crew to be a nursemaid, he complained out loud. No one was listening, but that didn't stop him. I don't know anything about taking care of a broken leg and busted ribs. Why do I have to stay in this nowhere place? Flora didn't have to go tell Oscar. He slipped by her and sidled up beside the boat, pacing and looking more excited than she had seen him in a long time. Oscar, she ran up to him. They're going to use the boat as a sled, aren't they? They're going to go get the food, right? Nope. Oscar didn't seem to be able to stop walking and sniffing. They decided to pull the boat to a place where they can safely put it in the water, sail off, and flag down a passing ship to come rescue the captain and a few others who have to stay in the camp. Poor bums. Flora wanted to do a crazy dance, pulling, 
It was about to start. Big Amos had made a sort of table in front of the men's cabin out of wooden boxes. He was sharpening his knives when Flora walked by. He got very excited and dropped to his knees at the doorway. Come to me, my little sausage. Flora backed away hastily, but she wasn't fast enough. His hands ran inside her coat, over her sides and legs. Oh, not so fat now. No worry, still a nice pig. You come back someplace tomorrow. Tomorrow, she hoped, she'd be out doing her job far away from him.